Well, hey, great to see everyone today. So glad you made it. We're celebrating God's goodness. Woo! Pastor Aaron, right back at you. Hey, I'm so glad that we are able to be together today. And if you are new, please do stop by those blue tables. We'd love to say hey and, and begin to get connected. Um, I wanted to just let you know, this is part three of a series. This whole series, Count On Me, is about you and me growing to be the kind of people that can figuratively and literally say to the people in our lives, count on me. You can count on me to be there, to be uh, learning how to love better, learning how to connect more, learning how to uh, be a better uh, family member to you, friend to you, coworker to you. It's about growing in our relationships. And the first week, it was about every kind of relationship generally. And then we moved last week to talk about marriage specifically and setting a great tone of love in our marriages. And then today, we're getting real granular, real specific, and we're talking about sex in marriage. So I want to let you know that right, uh, right from the top because I know that maybe for some of us we thought, oh, let's bring our kids to church today. Maybe a good time right now to head out to the playground. Just saying. I don't know. Because we're going to go there and I'm looking forward to it, but it's important that uh, we have a chance. It, there, if you don't feel like you're down for a message on sex uh, this particular Sunday, it's okay if you need to take a break and head out. Seriously, seriously. But if you're with me, you're ready for a good, well, I hope, good message on sex, say amen. 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 All right. You said amen, so I'm going to go for it, all right? I, I remember when my kids were, were little, and we wanted to, in our family, cultivate an atmosphere with our kids where sex wouldn't be taboo and where it wouldn't be some shameful uh, secret thing, but instead that we'd be able to be uh, forthright about that aspect of our humanity, you know? So when uh, when the kids were little, we bought a series of books by a guy named Dr. Jim Burns. And these are, they're age-appropriate books. Like there's a book for the four-year-olds and then another book for the eight-year-olds and another book for the you know, 12, 13-year-olds. And uh, I remember sitting down with the, the four-year-old book with my firstborn and it's basic line drawings of anatomy. And, uh, you know, you can, as a parent, kind of get your child kind of familiar with, hey, there's no shame. We can identify body parts. It's fine, you know? And I remember my four-year-old firstborn, I mean, he's looking at these pictures and going, does mom have one of those? Ew, gross. And he runs out and giggles in his room. But then, you know, he's eight years old. And, and, and the eight-year-old version of the book actually shows uh, sexual intercourse. And so we got to that page where not only do we have body parts, but we use them like this. And, and then, I mean, he looked at that and again, he's like, does that mean that you and mom did that? And I said, yeah, buddy, more than once. <laughs> he ran out of the room giggling and laughing. And then, but my, my second, uh, when, when we got to that eight-year-old book with him and we got to that particular page where it's showing the intercourse, I mean, he, he's, he's like quiet for a second and I can see the wheels are turning. He's a smart kid. He's doing the math. He's like, so this means that you and mom did this three times? I'm like, way more than that. Way, and he, ew, gross, ran to his brother's room to giggle about it. I mean, it's like <laughs> the story in our family. But, you know, there's something about sex, right, that, uh, I mean, comedians use it as one of their go-to sources to get people laughing, and uh, marketers and salespeople use it as one of the primary ways to get people to buy stuff. I mean, it's just, it's a part of the human experience. Sex is a core part of the human experience, but we don't all have the same experience with it. You know, the truth is, a lot of us, uh, when, it, when we come to sexuality, we bring all kinds of experiences that we've had. And some 
uh, fulfilling and wonderful, some regretful. Sometimes we bring, with regards to sex, some shame, some guilt, some secrets, uh, some hopes, some frustrations, some yearnings, some longings. I mean, it's the, across the board, it's a big deal. And we don't want to make it taboo in church. We, we want to be able to say, yeah, this is part of our humanity, and this is part of what it, God speaks about in His Word. And so I, I want to make sure that we can take to heart what the Scriptures say. And so I want to uh, begin with just one particular verse in, uh, in Hebrews. In Hebrews, uh, as you're making your way there to the Scriptures, I mean, this is a, a message on sex, right? And I, I can't say all there is to be said about sex in 30 minutes, uh, I can't even say all there is to be said from the Bible about sex. It, it, this is just going to be a short message on uh, sex in marriage. So we're just going to have a quickie today and get, get, right, <clears throat> get right to it. Hebrews 13, verse 4, it says, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Let me just read that again. In fact, why don't, why don't we just look at the first part of that verse together, and I want you to say just the first part of that verse out loud with me. Ready? Go. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. Everybody say pure. Pure. Okay, so when the scriptures here talk about the marriage bed, uh, it, it's talking specifically about the sexual aspect of married life, sex and marriage. That is the context of this verse and what we're talking about. And when God's word says the marriage bed is to be kept pure, it's not talking about making sure to throw the sheets in the laundry and add some extra OxyClean. It's not. It's, it's talking about the sexual dynamic of your marriage uh, being maximized, but being kept pure, 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 not in the sense like uh, puritanical, as in don't ever do any of that nasty stuff, but instead pure, like pure Colombian coffee, like pure dark Swiss chocolate, like, like pure mountain spring water. Do you see what I'm saying? Like God's design for marriage is that it would be refreshing, life-giving, fun, good, positive, this is God's design. This is our Heavenly Father's thought about what sex can be like inside of a marriage. But what I've learned and learned more and more is that it takes intentionality to keep something pure. For something to be kept pure, it usually takes some effort. Things don't tend to be kept pure by accident. And uh, I'll put it like this, an analogy, I uh, recently did a project at my house, and uh, part of it involved redoing uh, the floor. So I, I, I removed all of this wood laminate flooring, and I put it all back, and I cut probably 150, 200 boards of laminate flooring, and it put all this sawdust in the air. And at that point, the air in my house was not pure. And I could have left it that way, and it would have created a bunch of problems, we would all have been choking. We would all have had problems with breathing. We would have had some troubles, uh, one kind after another, if I just left it like that. But I decided that I wouldn't leave it like that. And so I had to start doing something intentionally. I got out the shop vac, and I, I, I just began to vacuum up all the garbage and all the dust for hours and hours. 
And I had to then start dusting all of the horizontal surfaces with dusting polish, right? And I'm not just talking about, about a house project anymore. If you can see where I'm going, if there's going to be uh, keeping something pure in the marriage bed, in the sexual aspect of marriage, we may need to get some intentionality going on, and we need to get rid of some of the dust and garbage, Somebody know what I'm talking about? There's some dust and garbage of shame, of secrets, of unhealed pain, of trauma. It's got to, de- it got to be dealt with. And we get to keep the marriage bed pure. And this is, I believe, what God is, is calling us to, to embrace uh, his design for marriage. You know, my, my uh, project at the house, I did the vacuuming, I did the dusting, but then I got up on a ladder and I took out the, the filters out of my air conditioning system. And they were filled with nasty old sawdust, so filled with garbage, gross. But when I put the new filter back in there, I had a sense of relief, I had a sense of hope that the air in my house was going to be pure now. You know what I'm praying for? I'm praying that in this message today, that for somebody, it will be a bit like an opportunity to change the filters with regards to how you're experiencing sex generally and even sex particularly in your marriage For some of us, it's our right now marriage. For some of us, it's the marriage that may be in our future. And I'm praying that we would take this message to heart and that it would be a filter change kind of moment for some of us. And, and for some of us, we don't even know how bad our spouse is hoping, hoping that that filter change could happen. And today, this message might help some of us to step into something beautiful and good and pure as God's word is calling for. So I'm praying that today we'd be able to embrace God's design for sex. And this is the main idea of this message, just right from the top, that I bless and protect my marriage by embracing God's design for sex. I want you to say that with me. I bless and protect my marriage by embracing God's design for sex. I need to hear you a bit more, like with some attitude maybe even. I bless and protect my marriage by embracing God's design for sex. So I'm, I'm hoping that we would embrace God's design for sex. So I want you to open up the scriptures, if you haven't already, uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So get your Bible out or open up your uh, Bible app on your phone. Go ahead and do that now. I want you to know that this isn't me just ranting about sex. This is God's word. So we're going to turn to the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And and while you're turning there, you know, I saw uh, this talk by a woman named Maureen McGrath. She's a sex researcher. Nice career. She's a sex researcher, and she did this study of married couples. And what she found was that only 7% of married couples reported being extremely satisfied with the sex in their marriage. And that was qualified as extremely satisfied by, by having sex five to ten times a week. Rabbits. <laughs> she, 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 she did say also that 75% of couples uh, were adequately satisfied. And that was qualified with uh, one to three times a week. I mean, that was part of the research. And I, I read that. I heard that study. And I just thought to myself, well, let's be the seven, baby. Let's be the seven. <laughs> You're never going to look at this T-shirt the same way. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I, I do believe that there is some truth, all joking aside, that, that there, there's a way in which maybe there's some room for improvement in uh, this aspect of our lives. And I want us to get there. And to get there, I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, God's Word. The Apostle Paul, by the Spirit, said, Now, regarding the questions you asked in your letter. So, I mean, stop right there. This just tells us that believers in the early church were like, well, hey, we have some questions about sex. We're kind of wondering about things, and can it be better? Could it be different? Like, what should we do? So if any of us have ever had questions like that, it's right here. I mean, so did many people thousands of years ago, and, and so we're in good company. Now, regarding the questions you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. But because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. Just for starters, let me just say this. The Apostle Paul was a single man. And he became the Apostle Paul that we know and love, able to travel all around the, uh, the, the area we call Europe, starting the Christian movement there because he was single. He had no... You know, no responsibilities back on the home front. He could just do whatever he wanted. And so Paul's coming to this with a unique, unique vantage point. He's saying, listen, life isn't all about having sex. Do, do you hear it? I mean, that's kind of what's coming through. He's saying you don't need to define yourself by how much sex you get to have and with who. Like, that's just not the most important thing, actually. Did you hear? I mean, the language that he used was, look, it's good to abstain from sexual relations. I didn't hear anybody saying amen on that verse, but... It's in there, right? Uh, it is part of the equation that, in a sense, it's as though Paul is saying, look, I'm single. And if you can do singleness well, do it. If you can do singleness well. But the thing is, not a, a lot of us can do singleness well. A lot of us aren't actually designed for that kind of life. And we are designed for this coming together that we would call marriage and so uh, this is what we're going to concentrate on is the uh, verses 2 and following. So uh, again in verse 2, it says, because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. I love it when the Bible just comes to us with such beautiful directness. Like, well, we don't have to scratch our heads and go, hmm, but what is the deep meaning in the Hebrew and Greek, though? <laughs> you know, we just don't need to do that with this verse. It's very direct and very clear, and I think it's because our Heavenly Father wants to be sure that we, we don't have uh, uh, any wondering about what he means. And there's this clarity that comes through. And the context uh, is, you know, where it says, because there's so much sexual immorality. And, and in a sense, God is speaking through Paul and saying, look, I designed you. I came up with the idea of those body parts. I designed the orgasm. I put that desire inside of you. All of the goodness that can be in that experience, I came up with it. And God is, in a sense, saying, and because I designed you, I, I reserve the right to give you some parameters and some guardrails. 
And that's what we get here. And when we hear God's word talking about sexual immorality, in a sense, broadly speaking in scripture, from this scripture and others, uh, God's idea is that uh, men and women are coming together in marriage to experience sex that happens in a context where there's commitment and safety and long-standing love and warmth and real connection. That's God's concept. And what we, what we read here is important. I want you to see this again in verse 2. It said, because there, in verse 2, there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. Everyone say, have. Have. This is a beautiful moment in every marriage ceremony to me. I get to stand there with a couple and lead them in saying these vows, and they say something like this. I, John, take you, Anne, to be my wife, to have and to hold. And that word, to have and to hold, it comes right from here in the Scriptures. And it's a beautiful concept that God has in mind, that there would be a way in which a a wife could have her husband, a a husband could have his wife, and to have something means you get to enjoy it. It means you get to take responsibility for it. It means you get to take care of it. So you get to have a husband. That means you get to enjoy him and whatever goodness he could bring into your life. You get to have a husband. It means you get to take responsibility. It means you get to take care of him. You get to have a wife. That means you get to enjoy her and all of the goodness she could bring into your life. You get to take responsibility. You get to take care of this one. This is the idea God had in mind. And at the core, it's about real bondedness. It's about really coming together as one. It's about that oneness being a source of goodness to both a husband and a wife. That's the top of the idea that God had in mind when he thought about sex and marriage. And at the core, it's about connection. And so for some of us, if we've been thinking, I do want to have good sex in my marriage, it starts with connection. And, and so let me just throw out uh, a, a, an idea. It's point number one in this message, and it's just simply this. Have sex that will build a stronger connection. Have sex that will build a stronger connection. I thought maybe that after a point in a sermon that started with have sex, at least somebody would say amen. I mean... I'm going to do this. I'm going to try it one more time. Have sex that will build a stronger connection. You better. You you better. Like this is is God's idea that that there would be this having that would happen, this coming together with a protection of the oneness. There would be a a gladness to, to deepen that sense of bondedness and intimacy. And we are called to this. You know, Jesus spoke about this in Mark 10, 8, and, and he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, and he will become one flesh with his wife. And this word picture that comes from the Bible, he will become one flesh with his wife. It's a very physical kind of an imagery, isn't it? And it was what Jesus chose to communicate, becoming one flesh. And this physical entanglement that's at the core of that imagery in the scripture portrays a deeper spiritual and emotional goodness 
and oneness. That is what God has in mind for marriage. And the sexual coming together as one is part of how we get there. Have sex that strengthens and builds a stronger connection. Uh, There is a a researcher, uh, her name is Laura Berman, another lady who is a sex researcher, again with the career move, okay? And she said in in one article uh, about sex and marriage, she said, during sex, the body releases endorphins and oxytocin at the same time. And this activates the pleasure centers of the brain and creates enhanced feelings of intimacy and connection with one's spouse. I mean, this is literally the brain science that when there is sexual intimacy, it, it creates the, 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 neuro, the norepinephrine and dopamine hit at the same time in such a way that PEA, another brain chemical, is produced and, and it causes, you can't even help it, an association of closer bondedness with the person you're having sex with. This is part of why, for many of us, we, we carry so much of, of a sense of brokenness because we've had a lot of sexual experiences and those people are long gone, but part of our heart bonded there. And, and we need to experience some healing so that we can have greater sense of connection in the marriage. But we need to be willing to recognize how much goodness can come when we're able to have Good sex, have the sex that builds a stronger connection in our marriages. For some of us, maybe we've been uh, lacking that sense of bondedness and intimacy. And we wonder, why do we feel so distant from each other? Why do we feel more like brother and sister or roommates? And sometimes I'll sit with a couple and I'll ask about that. And I'll say, well, tell me a little bit about your sexual intimacy. It gets a little awkward when you're in a counseling session with me because I just go for it. Like, I, I'm the guy who can meet with you one time. And if I have one hour, I'm just going to go right for it, right? So tell me about your sexual intimacy, right? And, oh, well, it's okay. It's okay. Well, tell me, what do you mean by okay? Well, once every month or two, we come together. I'm going, what? Come on, come on. That's, 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 you know that's not going to work, right? That's not going to hit the mark. <laughs> but truly, a lack of willingness to engage in healthy sexual intimacy is very likely to lead to a sense of detachment and distance. It just is. You wonder why it feels kind of just cold. Maybe because the fire has begun to go out and you can bring it back. And and in fact, I'm praying that you would. I'm praying that you would. I want to continue reading verse uh, verse 3, 1 Corinthians 7, 3. It says, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. I just want this to be so clear to us. Like, this is the inspired word of God. He knows how he made us. And so he inspires these words. And I want to hear him again, verse 3, one more time. Actually, why don't you say it with me so that we can all feel a little tiny twinge of awkwardness together. Ready? (laughs) Go. Verse 3, out loud. Say it. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. This is God's heart. God's heart. God's design. And it matters so much. You know, Ann and I, when we got married, 
uh, this is almost 20 years ago now, we, actually 20 years ago, next week, we, uh, we got a stack of cards on our wedding day, and we didn't have time to read them because we we're heading off to a, a honeymoon, and we got back from the honeymoon, we're opening these cards together, and uh, one of them was from this woman, Loretta, and Loretta was 84 years old. She was the praying grandma of the church we were part of in Santa Barbara. Like she was that one older woman with all the wisdom and she was holy and godly, like the saint of the church, you know, the one that you just felt like if there was ever going to be a halo over somebody's head, it's Loretta, you know, and, and anyway, we got the card from Loretta, not expecting much, opened it up. It's like a floral pastel kind of bouquet of flowers card, one of those, blank on the inside. But when we opened it up in a Sharpie marker, just one sentence, big letters, Dear John and Ann, I wish you sexual joy in your marriage, Loretta. That woman had learned some things in her life. I mean, I'm telling you, going on 50 years of her own marriage, she just knew for this young couple to really experience the goodness that's possible for them in their marriage, they're going to need to experience sexual joy. And I'm grateful that she prayed for that for us. And I'm grateful (laughs) that we've had the opportunity to live into that. And what, what really we're talking about is moving from connection dissatisfaction. And and so not only do we want to have sex that builds a stronger connection, we also want to have sex that will give each other satisfaction. And so I want you to just say this one out loud with me. Say it. Have sex that will give each other satisfaction. God's idea was that husbands and wives both would be able to experience fulfillment of the desire for pleasure that God knew would lead to that greater sense of bondedness and closeness, but that would also bring a personal satisfaction for an area of deep longing. And so that's why in the scriptures that we just read today, the words are so direct and blunt. The wife, uh, the husband must fulfill his wife's sexual needs. We read that together. And the wife must fulfill her husband's needs. We heard it, right? Let me put that back on the screen. I want to make sure it's in our minds. Verse 3, one more time. It said, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. This is the word of God. And for some of us, we might need to allow today to be a moment where maybe God is saying, hey, the choices you're making are actually not in alignment with what I've said in my word, and that may need to change. And this doesn't come with any condemnation. It comes with a life-giving desire of the heavenly Father that that relationship would be oneness and bondedness and closeness in real time. But this is part of how we get there. Have sex that will give each other satisfaction. If we're talking about satisfaction, what we're really talking about is desires and needs. And God is calling for a husband and a wife to look in the mirror and say, I am the source of legitimate satisfaction for him. I am the sole legitimate source of satisfaction for her. 
Like that really needs to be on our hearts because it's on God's heart. God looks at a marriage and says, man, if, she, if she's going to be satisfied and nobody else that's supposed to be a part of that but you, brother. If he's going to be satisfied and nobody else who's meant to be a part of that satisfaction other than you, sister. Like that's really God's heart. That's what comes through in his, in his word. So let's talk about the different kinds of needs that are generally there for husbands and wives. Now, whenever you start talking about, well, men are this and women are that, you run the risk of speaking in caricatures and generalizations. And, and, and I know that uh, there's plenty of us that are outside of the generalizations, but sometimes it's a helpful starting point. So let me start there. Generally speaking, uh, f- for women, wives, the needs in this whole conversation around sex look like things like this. The need for warmth, the need for a sense of clear communication, the need for safety, the need for affirmation, the need for trust, the need for spiritual togetherness, the need for romance, the need for foreplay, the need for generosity in the moment. These are all part, and there's many more things depending on who she is, but those kinds of needs, brother, are what you are called to show up and step up to respond to. And, and this is your charge from the Lord who said, and the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. And then on the other side of the equation, for many husbands, not all, but probably a lot of us, the sexual needs uh, look like these kinds of things. A need for visual stimulation. Most dudes wired by God to just see. And the needs would continue with uh, a discussion around frequency. For a lot of brothers, there's just a, a greater sense of a need for frequency. For many men, there's a desire and a need for a, a sense of passion that's expressed in the moment. Okay, I just spoke of a few things in generalities, but what really needs to happen is a conversation. If you're married, you got to have a conversation. And a conversation looks like this. You look at one another and you ask this question. What do you need from me to be satisfied sexually in our marriage? Just ask that question. Look at her and ask her, what do you need from me? to experience greater sexual satisfaction in our marriage. Just look at him in the eyes and say the question, what would you need from me to experience greater sexual satisfaction in the marriage? Is that a dirty question? Absolutely not. It's a biblical question. It's a question of, hey, if this is what God's word says to us, then maybe let's talk about how we can get there. And we don't ask with, with anger. We don't ask with uh, ultimatums. We don't ask with, uh, with scorn. We just talk. And, and here's what we do. We ask that question. What would you need from me to experience greater sexual satisfaction in our marriage? And then when we answer, we just answer matter-of-factly. We don't answer with condemnation and say stuff like, well, you're just not, and you just don't, and you never, no. We just leave that aside. We just matter-of-factly, well, what I would need would be, and just say it, and then on the receiving side, you hear the answer, and you say, okay, thanks. Don't be defensive. Just receive it. Okay, thanks. And if you have uh, room for it, take the conversation a little further together, or just say, okay, thanks. 
Hey, where do you want to go for dinner? Let's go out and have something fun. Let's get some donuts. I don't know. Like, it just shift the conversation so if it's starting to feel a little bit too heavy. But have that exchange. Why? So that you can have a marriage that's stronger, the bond better, the experience of connectedness closer. That's why. And because you're a disciple and you're following the word of God. You know what? We, we got to take the word of God to heart. You know what I see in the scriptures? I see examples in the Bible of the kinds of things that I just described in terms of needs being played out in the book of Song of Solomon in particular. Uh, check this out. For example, in, in Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 6, it, 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 the, the brother, the guy is saying to his bride, how beautiful you are and how pleasing, my love, with your delights. Your stature is like that of the palm and your breasts like clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like clusters of grapes on the vine and the fragrance of your breath like apples. You know, apart from the apple scented mouthwash, I'm definitely down with all of that, right? And what it is, it's just one little part of the Bible that's exhibiting this, this aspect of a, of a, of a general, generally a man's needs to, to see your stature and your delights, to see, to have the visual appeal that is uh, presented to him, right? And, and, and that sense of sensuality that is not dirty, but is, is good and godly in this kind of a relationship, being fulfilled, but, but then uh, a, a generalization of, of her needs, you know, but it shows up in also Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6, and she says to him, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, its jealousy is unyielding as the grave, it burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. And she's speaking of her desire for a sense of being romanced and being wooed and being brought close with emotional sensitivity. Did you catch it all? Like, and this is in the word of God. It's a demonstration of, of God's heart coming through of, yes, it's okay that you have that kind of desire and there should be a place for it in your marriage. And for some of us, I'm praying that maybe we would be able to step up the satisfaction. Our marriage may depend on it. Or, at the very least, our, our sense of closeness and bondedness in our marriage may depend on it. Oh, listen, I know that uh, this is not meant to be a one-size-fits-all kind of message. I recognize that we're all in different stages of our life, different uh, physical conditions, different uh, stages of our marriage even, and this isn't one-size-fits-all. We must, as a husband and wife, kind of figure this out together. Where are we now? And just because you had this conversation 10 years ago doesn't mean it's the same now. It's time maybe again to have that conversation. What do you need from me? What would you need from me to experience a greater sense of sexual satisfaction in our marriage? Please have that conversation. And, and get ready on a personal level to ask God to do the healing that you may need. For many of us, what I'm talking about right now is, is, is kind of stirring something up inside of us because maybe we've got some trauma in our own sexuality that's unhealed and it's made it difficult to have a good sex life with our spouse. 
You know, I'll, I'll get a little personal about this. For Anne and I, you know, we started day one uh, on, on the wedding day. Everything was uh, rosy and bright, and, and we were full of excitement. I was definitely full of excitement for some particulars, right? And, uh, and then we found that it wasn't working out quite the way we had hoped, or at least not for me. And part of that was because of the fact that my wife, when, when she was a kid in youth group, she was sexually abused by the youth pastor. And that was unhealed. And she brought that into our marriage. And it wasn't on the surface. It was buried down deep. But it made it very difficult when all of a sudden her husband, who, oh, by the way, is a pastor, is trying to talk about wanting to have sex. It, it just, it was, it was a, a difficult season for us for months and I would say even for years. But God did a work in her and allowed her to be healed at the deepest level. Here's how it happened. She came and she experienced what we call freedom prayer. And freedom and deliverance at the same time culminating in deep inner healing by the power of the Spirit of God allowed her to be broken free from shame and guilt and sexual trauma. And I shouted amen when that began to happen. Because it opened up a whole new world, a whole new world, and magic carpet ride, baby. Like, uh, that, that was for real for us. It happened. It was so good that God brought that healing. But it wasn't just her. I mean, the truth was, I also brought sexual trauma into our marriage, guilt and shame and brokenness. Why? Because I was sexually abused as a child, as a little boy, sexually abused by an old man. And, and that was buried deep inside of me. The brokenness, the shame, the trauma of that made it just as difficult for me to engage in having sex that would build the connection and having the sex that would strengthen that, that satisfaction. I, I struggled. I struggled because I had this brokenness that led me to engaging in, in a way that was marked by just passivity because of the brokenness I had been through. But God brought me to a place of healing. Putting it out on the table with counselors, with therapists, and most importantly, with those who could pray in the power of the Spirit so that I could experience deliverance and inner healing, what we call freedom prayer. And it happened for me. And God broke that off of me. And I know, I know, it's a little bit awkward, right, for me to be vulnerable sharing about this in a personal way. But you know, here's what I know. The majority of us, statistically, have experienced these kinds of things. The majority so silly to keep it taboo. Better to say, yeah, this kind of stuff happens, and far worse, and other kinds of things too, but there's a way to be healed. My wife and I both are living proof of that. And if you have sexual trauma, brokenness, and shame in your life, one of the ways that you can bring a healing into the marriage is to, is to address it. One of the ways you could do that is through what we call freedom prayer. It's something that we do here that it's a two-hour prayer session, two people just praying for, one, for you for a couple of hours to just go for it, to break off the stuff that needs to get broken off and to see the healing come at the deepest level. Freedom prayer. If you need to be healed, if you and your spouse need that, sign up for a freedom prayer session. Please, don't go another year with this trauma and brokenness in your marriage. It's not the cure-all, but it is one of the things that we do here that can help you a lot. Get on our website, mycenterpoint.tv, scroll, search around till you finally find freedom prayer uh, and uh, get the healing that you need. Here's why. Because you'll need it so that you can do 
what comes next. Okay, what comes next in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7 is this, in verse 5. It says, do not deprive each other of sexual relations. This is the heart of God. Let me say it again. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. We're going to pause right there. For some of us, we need to hear this as a loving, gentle correction. For others of us, we may even need to hear this as a, as a rebuke, as even something that we need to repent of. It's the word of God. God knows how he made her, how he made him, and the needs that are there. And God's plan is for you to be the sole legitimate source of satisfaction. So you've got to get the healing that you need so that you can come with a healed and whole heart into that relationship so that there can be a willingness to pull up, to come through in this particular way. 1 Corinthians 7, 5, again, it says, do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. You know what? I can count on one hand the number of times a couple has come to me kind of like this, like, oh, we're fasting from sex right now so we can pray more to Jesus. <laughs> like, that's just not something that happens very often, my friend. It's just not. So, you know what? Hear the word of God again. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to... And that can happen. That can happen. Both agree. But God even says, but for a limited time. So you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, check this out. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And I see this as a concession, not as a command. Do you hear what God is saying here? This is God's heart. And God is saying, listen, if you deprive each other of sexual relations, you are leaving that person vulnerable to a satanic attack. That is what the word of God is here saying. You want to leave her vulnerable to a satanic attack? All right. Then just go ahead and ignore all of those needs that we were talking about a few minutes ago that she has, her sexual needs. Ignore them. And then you'll leave her vulnerable to a satanic attack. You want to leave him vulnerable to a satanic attack? All right. Just go ahead. Deprive him. And, and just be unwilling and... Uh, just refuse to deal with the areas where you need healing inside. And that'll leave him nice and vulnerable to an outright satanic attack. But guess what? The devil doesn't come up in a red suit with little horns and a pitchfork and go, ha ha, I got you now. That's not how it works. The devil comes along with all of a sudden somebody's shooting a link to this app or that app. And it used to be just whatever, Tinder or whatever, but there's hundreds of apps that suddenly can facilitate something that was never God's plan for him. We already discussed what God's plan was. But one wise person in our church once said on this topic, if you leave him hungry, you need to recognize that for someone who's hungry, even leftovers in the trash start to look good if you're hungry long enough. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like this is, 
God's heart going, I really don't want you to leave one another vulnerable in this way. Please work on the healing that you need and on the healing for the sexual fulfillment in your marriage so that you can be protected. And uh, that's the third point. We move from connection to satisfaction to protection. And my third point is just this. Have sex that will provide real protection. Have sex that will provide real protection. Protection from uh, becoming addicted to masturbation and porn. Protection from uh, getting involved in affairs. Protection from emotional entanglement with somebody else. Protection from uh, shutdown of one kind or another. Protection. You know, Anna and I watch a, a lot of Korean dramas and uh, these Korean romantic comedies are a lot of fun to watch. I obviously watch them with the subtitles, but I love these shows, and, and they're very predictable. They, they all follow like this very similar story pattern, and in literally almost every single Korean romantic comedy, there is what I call the umbrella scene. It happens without fail, the umbrella scene. Here's what I'm talking about. It, it gets, it's like usually three, four episodes in on a series, and uh, it'll start raining, and he's walking in the rain, or she's walking in the rain, and he recognizes that it's raining, runs and gets an umbrella and runs back and puts the umbrella over her. And that's the moment they fall in love. It's beautiful. It's so predictable. Every time it happens. It's fun. I love watching it. It's comforting when the same exact scene happens in every different series. <laughs> you know, it's fun. But you know, I was thinking, I was thinking, how bizarre would it be if, if uh, she ran and got the umbrella when, when he was walking in the rain and she came back with the umbrella and held it over herself and looked at him and went, you're on your own. I'm sorry. Me, I'm not me that, but no, you know, whatever. Like that would be so bizarre. And you'd go, well, what's, what's wrong with this picture? You've got the umbrella, like help the brother out, you know? But you know what I'm talking about, right? Not talking about rain anymore, but I am talking about the way that we can choose to engage a little bit more lovingly and bring protection into, into our marriages. Do you know what I'm really hoping and praying? I'm hoping and praying that the oneness that God had in mind when he brings a husband and wife together would be restored for some of us. I'm praying that God would allow the spark to come back for some of us. You know, a couple of weeks ago when I announced, hey, in week three, I'm going to be talking about sex. <laughs> my, my kids were in church and they all let me know, yeah, we're not going to be there that weekend, dad, sorry, but that's just awkward, <laughs> like having dad up here talking about sex. But uh, my daughter in particular made it clear, I'm not coming that weekend, Dad. It's, but she paints uh, prophetic art sometimes, my daughter does. And over the last couple weeks, she painted this painting, and I want to show it to you. It's a, she kind of repped, you know, those, uh, that hand of God uh, iconic picture, painted it in her own way, though. And without really trying, I felt like she created a, a prophetic message. Right? It's almost like you can see it, that, that hand of, of a, the man and the woman kind of coming together, and that healthy, holy connection brings this spark of life and color and health and goodness, and I'm praying that God does something like that for you, that he would bring the spark back that he would, for somebody, that he would allow that spark to keep going like it is, because it's good, may it forever be. Thank you, Loretta. <laughs> I'm 
I'm praying that for somebody that this would happen and that would begin, maybe for somebody, the hands are so far apart right now. Maybe it's because you're, you're, you're dating and they shouldn't be, you know, zapping quite yet. And for you, I'm praying that you leave room for Jesus right now. But <laughs> that could be the future, you guys. And for others of us, though, I'm talking about you, you, you have had that in the past and you don't know how dangerous it is that you've let it just go missing. And I'm praying that you would allow the healing that you need to happen. Maybe the relationship's been ruptured in some way, and God can do a work to restore your capacity to trust and forgive. He can do that. I'm praying he will. And for others of us, some things have come to the surface from way back in our past, and we need the healing to come so that we can have that spark again. So I want to pray right now that God would begin to do some spark healing in some of our marriages. And, and so I want you to take a moment and, and pray with me. And if, you, if you're here with your spouse, I think it's a good time to maybe put an arm around each other or hold hands. And, and, let's just, and, and if you're here alone, and I know that you carry some, some hurt with that for some of us. I'm praying for you. I'll pray for you in just a moment. But first, married couples, let's pray. God, I thank you that you had this great idea that the two would become one flesh and that there's a way that that uh, physical entanglement is meant to produce something life-giving. And so, Lord, I pray for right now, every one of us who's a married couple, God, that you would allow the sparks to fly and the sexual dynamic of our marriage is to be healed, improved, strengthened, restored, brought back, all of the above, God. I really do. I pray for that. I pray that that would happen miraculously right now. I pray, Lord, for some of us where there's been a profound brokenness, God, would you allow there to be a move of your Holy Spirit that would produce a love that would be forgiving and trusting again. God, I pray you do that by the power of your Spirit, a miracle in this place for somebody. Lord, I pray for where some of us, uh, we feel distant. We feel like we've become almost like roommates to one another, and it has everything to do with what we've talked about today. God, I pray that you would call us to a place even of, a, of receiving of a gentle correction from you and that we would decide purposefully, I'm going to make this a priority. And for others of us where we got, we got married and then we started having kids and then this just became a bit of an afterthought, we need, Lord, your healing to come. And God, I pray that you'd do it, even now. You'd allow in our marriages, especially where we've got young kids and, and we're tired and worn out and all of that, God, that you would nevertheless allow us to find ways to see this a priority again for the sake of our future, for the sake of the future of those kids. God, I'm praying for this. I'm contending for this right now. And God, I pray for uh, some of us, Lord, where there's just been a lot of disappointment in this area of things, Lord, I pray you'd brush away the disappointment and that there would be a filter change right now and that we wouldn't be concentrating on the old dirty filter of this hasn't been right for so long. That would just be gotten rid of today and I pray for a new filter to come right now, a new filter for what we're looking at and how we're perceiving one another. I really do pray for that, a new filter, a new way of looking at each other. And I pray, God, that you would give us both a desire to be bring satisfaction and connection 
and protection to him, to her. God, would you do it right now? And God, I, I pray the spark would be restored right now. In Jesus' name, I'm praying that spark would come back. And I, I, would you just pray with me for a moment? And just maybe as a couple, you could say, it might not be the, the right prayer for every couple, but for a lot, it could be. And pray together, God, would you bring the spark back? Just say it with me. God, would you bring the spark back? Say it again with me. God, would you bring the spark back? I believe he's doing it. While we were having a time of worship earlier, I saw in the spirit this vision of what God would do in this time. And it was like uh, a wave, but it was fire. It was fire, like a wave of fire that was coming. And I felt like God was saying, I am bringing back a holy fire of holy, righteous, sexual passion into marriages. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I felt God was speaking to me. And for somebody today... You need to hear that and decide whether you're going to allow that wave to come your way and receive it. And if you receive it, then you just together whisper to God, God, we receive that. Just say it with me. God, we receive that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for bringing healing. God, I pray also for some of us who are here today and we're feeling pretty desperate, maybe a little bit alone. And it's because he's not here, she's not here. It's done. Whatever. God, I pray where that is the case, Lord, that you would allow your own presence to be our source of fulfillment and satisfaction, connection, and protection. I really do. I pray for your covering over some of us who feel very alone. God, that you'd bring uh, that sense of protection and connection and satisfaction from you, Lord. God, thank you. While we're praying together, you know, for somebody, you came into church today and, and you just got hit with the, the sex talk from the pastor, and that was not what you were expecting. You're just trying to figure things out spiritually. You're just wondering, how, where do I stand with God? Who is God? And I want to tell you this today. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to demonstrate the fullness of his love by taking all your sin and all your shame and all your guilt and taking it to the cross where it was paid for in full so that you could be forgiven one day. And Jesus always stands ready to offer to you his gift of salvation. And for somebody today, this whole thing about sex is not even where you are. What you really need to acknowledge is that your greatest need is for spiritual fulfillment. And you can receive spiritual fulfillment in and through Jesus Christ. He stands ready to forgive you and save you. And he's offering right now this gift of forgiveness and a welcome into his kingdom to somebody. And so while we're praying together, if you're sitting here and you're going, I don't know about all of that sex stuff, but man, I need to know that I'm right with God. I need to know that I could be right with God. I want to be right with God. I want to ask for forgiveness of my sins. I want to receive his forgiveness. I want to be right with God. If that's where you're coming from, right now I want you to raise your hand. If you're finally willing to say, I want to say yes to Jesus and ask him to forgive me. Right now, you raise your hand as your way of finally saying, I need to be right with God. I want to ask Jesus to forgive me and save me. Raise your hand with me and keep it up for a moment. And if you're joining me online, right in, in the back in my left, I see you, man. That's great. 
there's anyone else, just you join me. Raise your hand right now. You're finally going to say, yes, Jesus. Would you forgive me and save me? I want to be right with God. If you're on, the, on the right over here, it's excellent. If you're joining me online, just type into the comments and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. And now would you pray with me, those of you who had your hand raised, right now, you start like this. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Just say it with me even. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Just say it one more time. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And I give you my life. I, I turn from my sin and I repent and I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me and save me. Would you come into my life and be my Savior and be my Lord? I receive right now your gift of eternal life, salvation. Thank you for, for healing me and forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? As you're standing up, I want you to know if you need prayer today, come to the front. Our ministry team is going to be ready to pray for healing. But all of us are, are able to stand with confidence in the good, everlasting, unfailing love of Jesus. It's what we can do. And I stand on the chain-breaking, miracle-making, powerful name of Jesus. On the body-raising, prodigal-saving, powerful name. Sing that again. I stand. On the chain breaking, miracle making, powerful name of Jesus. Oh, we stand on. Yeah. One more time, sing that again. Stand on. I hope you were encouraged today. I hope if you're if you're out there and you're dating, I hope you have an umbrella 